Welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and this is episode number 47. And today I am excited to bring you a woman named Susan Guthrie, and she is going to walk us through her journey around divorce and a little bit of a catch there. Not only did she used to be one of the top high-powered attorneys for divorces, but she then decided to leave that and become a mediator. And there are reasons why that we all should really know when it has to do with life and conflict and negotiation. So please, let's sit back and let the conversation begin. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step -step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Hey there, and welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And today I have somebody with me that you are going to hear some ahas that you hadn't really thought about. And I am excited to have this conversation because the last time that we were together, it was lively and entertaining, and I think that we have become best friends. So please introduce, or be, be, be on the lookout, I'm going to introduce Susan Guthrie. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, it was an last time and, you know, let this conversation begin. Yeah, I am so excited to be here. We had, we had a lot of fun in our last conversation. So Hillary, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, and when everyone realizes the conversation that we're going to have, they're going to be like, wait, wait, this doesn't really make any sense. But let's start where I always start. And that is, let us know what has been going on in your life and the relaunch that has led you to this show and the silver lining behind it. So tell us more about you. Yeah, what? That's an interesting way to start, right? I think um, everybody always has that that knee jerk. Oh, I don't want to talk about me, but it's it's. I love that you said all the aha moments um, when we talked last time because I feel like my last five or six years has been one aha moment after another, one relaunch after another. That was one of the reasons I was so excited to. Um, to talk to you and, and why I think we had such a lively conversation because those ahas have been, each one's been a relaunch. So I have jumped around from a longstanding career in law into uh, so many different fields in the past five or six years that um, it's hard to even imagine. I was talking to a friend actually the other day that knows me from my old law firm days. And um, he was like, I don't even know who you are anymore, except every time I turn on my, you know, Instagram feed or my LinkedIn or the television, I see you all the time. So it's a, it's been a wild ride lately. 
It sure has. And for those that are just listening and not watching, which you can also go and see this conversation over on YouTube, you know, what Susan is this beautiful gal. She's got this, you know, Bob going, she's got the blonde hair. She's just, you know, she just radiates all of, you know, the goodness out there in the world. But for those that don't know what kind of law and what you do now and how this has all come to be, tell us how it even happened that you got into the type of law you did. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. And, and I know everyone is going to do the, you know, the sign of the cross and back away from their um, screen or their, where they're listening to the podcast, because when they hear I'm a divorce attorney, you know, nobody ever wants to know um, the divorce attorney in the neighborhood until they need the divorce attorney in the neighborhood. But um, it, it was never something that I planned to do. Um, I went into law school and was going, I wanted to work on Wall Street, right? I was a kid from Michigan. My dream was to go to Manhattan and work on the street. And I did. I, I am happy to say I achieved that goal. And I lasted a whopping nine months on Wall Street and hated pretty much every minute of those nine months. And so that didn't last very long. And when I went to work for a law firm after that, it was one of those things, it was a firm that had a general practice, right? They had different divisions that handled personal injury and real estate and business and all these different things. And so they kind of threw me into all these different areas to see it's like the spaghetti at the wall theory as to what sticks. And they threw me at the divorce side of things and I was really good at it. I liked that feeling of helping people in a difficult time. I liked that the law gave me tools to do all that. And so I quickly became a really um, a good litigator in the divorce world. And for 20 years, that's 25 years. Uh, that's what I did in a pretty affluent area out on the East Coast in Connecticut. And, you know, just sort of eventually created the matrimonial department in that firm. And that was it. That's what I was, was a divorce attorney day in and day out. Okay. So the question I know that everyone is thinking is, have you ever been divorced? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so was this in the middle of your career as being a- it, it was, I think I was 11 or 12 years into my career when I got divorced. Um, and it's interesting because I'm also married again and I'm married to a divorced father who at the time I met him had five or five-year-old triplets. So every single one of those steps in my life, I know that's what everybody does when they hear triplets. Well, <laughs> it having, I have twins. So, okay, I, you get I have it. Twins plus I had one more. So, I mean, the whole thought of like triplets and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Okay. So you, <laughs> you, you knew what you were getting yourself into. Well, I did and I didn't. I mean, it's an interesting thing, right? You go, because when I got divorced, we didn't have children, my, my um, ex-husband and I, but that just going through the process myself, I'd been helping people through it now for 12 years, mm -hmm. but going through it myself put me in the shoes of the experience and it changed how I then turned and, and approached my practice. Then I met my current husband with three, year, with three five-year-olds and he had a rather contentious divorce. And I started to see the effects of that conflict between the parents on those little faces that were in my house. And if you want something to change how you think about things, 
put it on the face of a child you care about. And trust me, it's going to change how you think about things. And that's actually when I shifted, probably one of the first big shifts in my career is I gave up litigation, left my firm, started my own boutique firm and turned to uh, mediation um, and non-adversarial approaches to divorce. And so that was my first, you know, leap into the abyss uh, because giving up, you know, litigation, unfortunately, that divorce model is very lucrative for the attorneys. I think I'm surprising everyone out there when I tell them that divorce attorneys can make a lot of money off a contentious divorce. Um, You know what's so fascinating about this is that, yes, I have been divorced as well. And I, we initially, you know, had the mediation and we were able to go through that. So we didn't, we didn't end up having to have, you know, this, it wasn't contentious. It was, it was very amicable. If you can even believe that, that's a, that's a different story. I do believe it, but, (laughs) but but what I find really interesting is what you said, you were going along, you were doing, you know, you were representing the uh, people going through divorce and you hadn't been divorced yet. You then go through a divorce. You now have seen it firsthand and you've also experienced with your clients the right way, the wrong way. And then you end up getting married to a man that had a, you know, a not good relationship with the ex and a not good way that they had gone through this. And it really resonated with you so that you could then take that. And you decided at that point, mediation, is this where this was going? You're like, Hey, there is a better way to do all of this. And mediation should be the first step. That's exactly where, you know, it was one, it was actually really good question because it just made me think and realize. I I think it was a combination. I had been helping everyone in my mind through their divorce process, through litigation, by being a good attorney, right? Using the facts of their case, which was usually finding how they were the good one and the other one was the bad one and applying those facts to the law to get them what they wanted. Um, But what I was really doing, right, is driving a wedge in between two people that in most cases would have to go on and co-parent through life forever. And it was when I started to realize that that was bringing up a really, although I could notch, you know, my belt with a win, it wasn't really a win for the clients in most cases. So I was looking for something else because you, when you're a part of that cycle, it actually drags you down. It actually brings you, I do, I now do spoiler alert, but now I do a lot of training of attorneys and other professionals to help them become mediators. And we had a closing ceremony in our last training, which was last week. And one of the attorneys, divorce attorneys who hadn't really spoken much during the course said at the end, he said, you know, everyone was going around the room, around the Zoom screen. And he said, you know, I'm a really successful litigator. I'm really good at what I do. I make a lot of money and I effing hate it. I effing, effing, effing hate it. And he didn't say effing. So I'm just being kind to your listeners. Um, But it was like such a powerful moment because I have to tell you, most divorce attorneys feel that way. It is not a a good life experience to go into people's worlds 
and destroy their relationships with each other when they have, especially when they have children together. So I was at a point where I needed something else for me and I need, but I wanted to still help people. I needed to do what I had always done, which was be immersed in the divorce world. So how was I going to do that? And mediation just kind of, you know, it was actually another attorney who turned to me in the hallway at the courthouse after hearing me complain about how exhausted I was by being a litigator. And she's like, why don't you mediate? Yeah, well, I love you still. Want- if she's listening, I love her still. When you, you said, dry, you know, that you were literally helping people, you know, drive the wedge between them. And then those, you know, those two would have to then go on to co-parent. And how challenging that is once, you know, it's been all the, the muck and all the dirt and all the bad things that, you know, come with getting a divorce, you know, are highlighted. It's really, really hard to then flip the switch and be like great parents together when there has been that wedge. And it sounds like you were in this relaunch where you were trying to figure out like, you know, how do I keep utilizing my experience but how do I get to the point where I'm helping people? I'm helping people with the, the next phase of their lives. And it sounds like you were out of alignment. It sounds like you were really looking to realign with the values, your core values, that you wanted to help people. And what you were doing before was not helping them. It was hurting them. And it was especially hurting those, you know, the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and such a great way to put it, right? When you're, that your, your core values are out of alignment. I thought that they were in alignment Mm. and it wasn't really driven home for me, truly home. It started when I went through the divorce process and got that, you know, firsthand experience, but you know, my ex-husband and I didn't have children. We fought over the dogs like they were children um, and we had stuff. And they are, (laughs) they are, we had a parenting plan. They went back and forth. There was, Mm -hmm. it was a good laugh for everyone in the courtroom. Um, But we, that was the beginning of opening the door. But frankly, you're, you are a hundred percent correct. It's when I looked at those little faces. And so always remember divorce attorneys, we don't see the children. They are never in the room. We, we in fact, do everything we can to keep them out of the room and out of the process. But they're almost so far out of it, they get forgotten a little bit. They're, they're there. We know they exist. We know Timmy's eight and Jill is five, but we don't know those children. And when there were three faces in my house showing me what mom and dad yelling at each other other over the phone or whatever that might be, right? Or just a silent drop off um, or whatever that might be. It will change you. Mm. And then you realize that you haven't been helping people the same way you thought you were helping them. You are getting them out of the marriage. And that is something that's important for a lot of people. We all, you've been through it. I've been through it. When a marriage is not working, it is a hard thing to get out of that relationship, emotionally, financially, all those things. But yes, so mediation really gave me, it was my first major career change. Well, Wall Street to divorce attorney was one, but then divorce attorney to divorce mediator was another one. Um, but- for, those that first, for those that don't know what mediation really means, can you help us understand the difference between a divorce using an attorney and a divorce using the mediation process. Yes. 
and, and they're very, very different. Um, any divorce is going to go through the same process of deciding things, right? You have to decide who's going to get what, who's going to pay what, and where your kids are going to be. You know, that's the general understanding. But the difference is in the litigation process where you are both represented by attorneys, one, you're putting it all into the hands of this third per party who hopefully you trust and, and like, but well, you don't have to like them, but you do have to trust them. And they are going to take your facts, your life, and go either negotiate or in the worst case scenario, stand in front of a judge and make our, they're going to advocate for what you want to try and win it for you. It's all very past centered, right? As I said earlier, you're always looking at what happened in the past to make your case in a courtroom. And your advocate, your attorney is there as your mouthpiece to, to advocate for what you want. Your mediator, on the other hand, even if your mediator is an attorney like I am, is a neutral party. So right off the bat, instead of being there to tell you what you should do or to make an argument for you on your behalf, your mediator is there to give you a layered understanding, a nuanced understanding, but to help you to have the conversations so you to make all of the decisions. And so you, re you, you retain all of the power and you also have to work with each other. And, and you did it, you, told, you said you mediated, so you understand that is not, you know, someone said to me mediation, the kinder, gentler way to get divorced. And everybody who's been through a mediation gets that look on their face yeah. like you just did for those who are not watching this, you know, the eye roll. It, there's nothing yeah. easy about there's sitting down. There's nothing easy. It, you know, you, you don't go into marriage with the thought that you're going to get divorced. And yeah. when it happens, it is emotionally brutal, no matter what. And then if you do throw little kids into the mix or even big kids into the mix, it, it just takes on, it's a, it's a beast. It is a beast. Um, but I have to ask you, so with today's climate, and I love the fact that you went into mediation and now you're coaching uh, people to become mediators the right way, you know, the right way that's going to really benefit everybody involved. But in today's climate, are you seeing that people are, are, are divorces on the rise? Are they not? Because I'm finding with my own clients that you're in one of two buckets. You're either, oh my gosh, this thing about being together, it's been the best thing for us. Or it's like, ah, just, you know, just shoot me now. I got to get out of here. What are you seeing? I'm seeing exactly that. Um, and I'm happy that you just said, because there are a significant number of couples out there that have actually found the enforced closeness of COVID to bring them closer together. All of the constant stress of COVID to be something that as they face that as a team and a partnership that has strengthened their relationship. And that doesn't get talked about very much. Um, all you ever see when you Google, you know, COVID and divorce is the rates are up, people are getting, you know, it's, they're driving each other crazy. I think you see, a, I think you see both. I think uh, that's what we're seeing. The, the difference that we're running into these days is that the courts are closed for the most part. And everyone up until now, one of the um, biggest drawbacks about divorce is everyone sees it as that, in, that initial adversarial approach, right? The, I'm getting a divorce, I go get an attorney and my attorney fights it out for me in a courtroom. 
that is still the default, but what's been maybe a, a silver lining of moving through COVID and divorce or how the process is that the courts are not available for most people right now. So there is a shift to mediation for those who are thinking about it because it is available. And in fact, I've been an online mediator for six years, um, not just during COVID, but right now most mediators have shifted online um, to be 100% offering their services. So you could be getting divorced and working with your mediator from anywhere around the world and still get through your process. So there's been a positive shift that even if people are going through divorce right now, many more people are approaching it in a, in a mediative or collaborative fashion. So are you finding that when they get on Zoom or whatever system you're using, are, are people being a little nicer? to each other these days because you're not actually in the same room and the energy isn't that, you know, high intensity energy. That's actually one of the biggest benefits of online mediation, uh, virtual mediations. There's actually a neurological response or less of a neurological response to conflict when you're doing it through a screen as opposed to when you're in the same room. So, you know, one of the things that makes that sitting in a conference room talking to your soon-to-be ex about how you're going to divide up your stuff or your time with your children is that you're sitting across the table from each other and that um, you, you, we all get that, right? You get that where you feel the emotion in a room right in your gut. When it's through a screen, there's actually less of a release of cortisol. You know, our amygdala doesn't get agitated with our lizard brain, all that, that psychological stuff, but it's true. So it's actually more tolerable for people to have these conversations through the screen. But trust me, they can still, you know, you said earlier, you know, not throwing tables or, I mean, people still get upset in an online mediation but they have more distance from it. Mm. So have you ever had a, you're starting down the process of mediation and the couple says, wait a second, we don't wanna do this. We wanna get back together. Does that ever happen? Happens all, it, as a mediator, it has happened to me a number of times. Really? A, okay, that, I love that. Yeah. So tell us, tell us a story about this. You know, the way it mostly happens, or at least in my mind, the story I tell myself is one of the things that is a side benefit of mediation that many people don't realize is, you know, one of the things when your relationship is ending is that your communication usually falters and you usually lose uh, your ability to communicate well. And as you come into mediation, if you have a good mediator, we're not just there to tell you what to talk about and tell you what the law is about your divorce. Part of our job is we call it facilitating your conversation. We are there to help you learn new ways of communicating with each other. And if you think about that, so old model, go to your attorney, you tell it to your attorney and your attorney calls the other attorney, not a great communication model for going forward. If you're sitting down in some process where the two of you are going to problem solve together, which mediation is very much a problem-solving um, process, you're, you're forging these new pathways. But what I have seen as couples are doing that, they start to hear each other again. And so I have had, in my first year of mediating, when I did that, when I opened up my, my own firm, I went straight to mediation, I had five reconciliations in one year. 
I love, okay. I don't think I had five reconciliations in 25 years of litigation at that point. This is so great. I want to ask you in terms of, you said that you actually facilitate communication and there, you know, you, you help them realize that there's new ways of communication. Can you give us a, this is for all those people right now that are trying to figure out, okay, I'm not really sure I want to go to divorce, but I, I do need to help try to figure out what I can do to not get there. So you're saying, Hey, a breakdown is communication, but you've got kind of this incredible ability to help facilitate communication in a new way. Can you share with us those ways? have a whole, I mean, it's wonderful. This is one of the things we teach in our trainings to train people to be mediators is we call it the tool bag. You know, there are different tools we can pull out of that tool bag. One of them would fall into what I call sort of coaching the conversation. So one of the misunderstandings about mediation is that you're always together in the same room with your mediator. And that's not true. Sometimes where if I see a couple is having a hard time around a topic, I might suggest that we break into separate breakout rooms and I will go talk to one party and start, we start talking about, you know, in negotiation, there's always a theory of um, taking people away from stated positions and looking to what their interests are, like not what you want, but why you want it. And then the next part of that, my conversation with that person would be now, if you were going to let your spouse know, how would you, how would you tell him about this? Or how would you tell, how, how might you broach this? Well, around I want the, around the why. Around, well, they, so they always almost start with the what I want this. Yeah. And I'm like, so if your spouse were to come into the room and say to you, I want this, what do you think your response would be? And we will go through that and we will actually model a conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's so that when they go back into joint, what we call joint session or working together, they'll have in their mind already gone through several iterations of that conversation that are probably not the most helpful. And we'll have have arrived at one where not only have they thought about the best way to put the information out there, but they've already thought about what their spouse might say to it. And they've thought about the reactions that they might induce by saying things certain ways. Another thing we'll do is when- But before you go on, you're really suggesting this role-playing. So we can, as individuals, we can role-play before we go out and say something to our spouse. We can sit there and think, if I say it this way, what would the reaction be? And then you can kind of like, if you've been with someone a while, you pretty much know how it's going to hit, right? We all know each other's, you know, buttons to push. And it never works out well. So what you're saying is role play in your own mind. Is there a different way to, you know, we negotiate, we don't, you know, negotiate with, you know, certain people because it's like some people just will never see it the way you're going to see it, but you have to be smart enough to, you know, think about what you're really, what's the end goal? What do you really want? And back into that. I I think that is so great. Love that. That's an awesome, awesome tip in our tool bag. Do you have another one? Well, the other one that, that a mediator might use or a facilitator of conversations would be when we're back in that joint session. And we hear people, you know, people get very caught up in what they're saying and they don't really hear what the other person's saying or they only hear a part of what the other person is saying. So mediators do something called mirroring or restating. Um, so mirroring might be, 
you know, something along the lines of, you know, Mary, I see it, what I hear you saying is, you know, this, um, Bob, if I heard you correctly, what you're concerned about is that if Mary doesn't drop off the kids on time, they will not get their homework done before school. Now, meanwhile, Bob probably went into some rant about how Mary is irresponsible and a bad mother and she's always late. And this goes back to, you know, when they were dating and I mean, people and the mediator will go into that and pull out the interest, right? We were talking earlier about positions and interests. So Bob's position is the kids have to be home on time or Mary's bad mom. Bob, what I hear is you're concerned, right? So you can reframe these things. But you also want to make sure that they're, well, well, Mary, what I heard Bob saying when Mary goes, you always say that about me, blah, blah, blah. So we'll turn and say, well, Mary, what I heard Bob saying, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard Bob saying this. And so there's a variety of different ways we can be the funnel of information while we leave out the noise. Okay, this is, I mean, what you're doing is sales 101 and 201. I mean, it is how to build rapport with someone, how to, you know, get into a room and, you know, win with, with the right negotiation. So you both come out feeling like you won. And when you said, you know, what I heard you saying, it, there's never been a negative side to that comment. Never. I've never heard it. And you always get to the base of, the person will say, well, no, actually I didn't say that. And then they say it again and you're like, okay, so let me just, you know, rephrase what you just said. I mean, it is always a positive. I love that we're, we're sitting here, we're talking about separation and divorce, but what you're giving us are so many, just the nuggets of communication success. It's, it's so, it's so fantastic. Um, so with your journey and now when you think about um, the silver lining and you're, you're now in your second marriage and how old are the triplets now? 23. Okay. So you've been, yeah. you've been doing this a long time. Okay. And we talked about this. I have twins that are 23 as well. So, you know, we have been through this and we also realize that you learn something from your first divorce right? There is this concept of, um, you know, the second wives clubs, because we really, we are, we're, we're more equipped, right? We're, we're, we understand what you need to do. We probably, at least some of us, maybe not all of us understand that key to communication. Like it's so, so, so important. Um, from your perspective, when you get somebody coming in for a second time divorce. Do you notice anything about those people that's different than first time divorces? Or is there, is there a little bit of a difference or no? You know, there's, there's probably two categories. There are the people who married their first spouse again. And they're, they're, I have one gentleman who I've handled three divorces for him and he's married the same woman, just a little bit younger each time. Um, <laughs> he's never learned from his mistakes. Now <laughs> my husband calls him the eternal optimist and, you know, but he, because what he does and what he is, and now he's on his fourth girlfriend, fiance, and who will probably be the next missus. Um, he 
he sees the position as kind of a hole under his arm that when one peg slides out, there's a new one to fit in. And he doesn't go for five minutes without someone in that position without any of that layer of understanding of why he keeps repeating the same mm. thing over and over again. And if I learned nothing from my first divorce, and I learned a lot from my first divorce, but the, one of the biggest things that I had to learn that was the most unpalatable was that I played a huge role in the demise of that relationship. I did a lot of things wrong. And I fell into the category during the divorce of he's a narcissist. He's the worst. It's all his fault. I, you know, poor me victim mental. I mean, every mistake you can make everything I've seen people do, but then I went for three or four years before I even met my current husband, where I was pretty single in my early thirties. And I had to, I had to wake up. I had to really face uh, my role. And, you know, as I say to my, my current husband, who is the light of my life, he would never have married that person that was married to my first husband. Uh, he, would, he would not have liked her one bit. Um, and if I hadn't gone through that, I mean, my first husband was not an angel. We both played our role. But on the outside, he was all the good looking, rich, investment maker, all the flash and everything, but we had no depth to our relationship. Mm -hmm. And my current husband has a lot of those positives that the outside world might think are positive, but I don't care about those because his inner stuff is so much more important. But I don't think I would have also seen it or valued it the way that I do had I not learned from that first one. So I truly... I look at that, at that first experience and I have a good relationship with my ex-husband now. He actually, he's, he's hysterical. He sends me clients. He talks about, he has, he's, I've got a new girlfriend. You've got to help her through her divorce. I'm like, you know, he, when he got divorced for the next time, he's like, can you be my divorce attorney? I was like, no, that's not how this works. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things in my life. And I think this would be for the relaunch of uh, people relaunching out there in the world is, the, the best things in my life have come from the worst things in my life mm. and the, the ability to look back at them and own my own side of the street. And if I've learned nothing else in my 50 or so years, that's been my, my biggest lesson. And it keeps slapping me in the face every five minutes, by the way. So don't <laughs> think you ever get where you've, you've already, you've learned it all. Um, but it's definitely, um, that difference. And I see that in people who come through the door. I've got some people who are just reliving their first marriage over and over. And I see people who have truly moved into just the most wonderful relationships ever in their second marriages. And I see people like Bella, who was just on your show, who's got that in her first. I think it's hysterical that she is the world's leading dating expert and she's been married to someone she knew in college forever. And they are the cutest couple in the world, right? So absolutely adore her. Just yeah. think she is amazing. And if, if people haven't been listening to that episode, you have to go back and check out Bella. But one of the things that you, when you were saying what you just said, I wanna say, the reason that I connected so deeply with you the first time is that it's very similar. You know, I realized I had to take responsibility for my part in that divorce. And then I too, I, I it was five years before I met my husband, Eric, and 
you know, love, love, love of my life. I mean, you know, I pinch myself that I had to go through, you know, my journey had to be that way because I don't know if Eric had met me as that first wife that we would have had the amazing connection. I had to grow. I had to learn the tough lessons. And, you know, you and I are so similar in that sense. And you now can truly be and bring your best self into the second marriage, which is just, you know, wonderful. And you, now that I know what I know, you don't necessarily need to go through a divorce to get there, right? Well, we just shared that, hey, start with, start with communication, everyone, start. Anyway, okay, well, as much as I would love to continue to talk and we have so much more to say and there's so many, you know, incredible things to really talk about, in this because there is such depth. Um, I would love to let people know how they can stay and follow you and understand what you're working on right now. Can you share with us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I am actually, I have a podcast as well. It's called the Divorce and Beyond Podcast. And I named it that very specifically because we've been talking about divorce as the process, but I hope people have also heard in what we've been talking about that the actual important part is the beyond. Um, divorce is a finite time in your life. I give my listeners a lot of information about divorce and getting through it in that better way. But really, I want them to know that life can be better beyond as you and I have both found, whether that be finding the new spouse or moving into the career of your dreams or eight of them like me or whatever happens to happen. So Divorce and Beyond um, is, is the show and I have a lot of wonderful people you're gonna be on soon. And um, Bella has been on. So I have a lot of different um, episodes and I have a website um, that is available for people if they're looking for information and resources while they go through divorce called divorceinabetterway.com. Mm. So either one of those places people can find me. Divorceinabetterway.com, love that. Because if you are going to make that decision, um, it is there is the right way and the wrong way, no doubt. Uh, okay, so we always end with a little rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am. I'm excited for this. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to throw one out. We talk about getting divorced and about pets. What? do you recommend when somebody comes to you and says, I have this dog, the other one says, it's my dog, whose dog, how do you handle this? Pets are one of the most difficult issues in a divorce. I tell clients right from the get-go, unfortunately, the law treats them like a piece of furniture. So figure out how much you're willing to pay for that piece of furniture, because it's, it's usually a case of buying your from the other spouse. No way. Yeah, the law has it's not, not like 50-50. You don't automatically law doesn't say, "Hey, you get 50% of the time, you get 50%." They are not like children. <gasps> they are literally treated as an inanimate object and what the court will look at is who owns it. Um some states, I will give credit to states like California, Illinois and a few others have passed laws where the courts can take the pet's best interests into consideration which now is who's going to be the better puppy parent, but those are, those are not the majority of states. 
So it's, if so I will, here's my little tip. If you have a dog, make sure the dog's registered in your name. Make sure you're the one who's taking the dog to the vet. Make sure you're the one who writes the check for the dog or- Wow, wow, okay. Yeah. All right, so are you a Zoom dresser from the belly button up? Or are you like bringing your whole like outfit all the way down to the shoes? I love this because I heard your, you ask Bella this and I know her. So I know she's like decked out all the way down to the high heels. Oh, I am definitely. a total waist up. I have my yoga pants on and my Ugg slippers right now. Totally, so. 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. In fact, my, my family laughs at me because I'll come out and I'll be like, I'm like a different person. One of my clients, I have to tell you, one of my clients calls it her mullet wear or her mullet workwear, business on top, party on the bottom. So. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Okay. So what is your favorite beauty product and the name of it? And I would say the name of it is partially be why it's one of my favorite products. It's Charlotte Tilbury's magic night cream. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, first of all, it smells like you want to eat it. But don't because it's a little too expensive for snacking on. But it is honestly, it's like the only night cream I've ever had that I like feel like I look better in the morning when I wake up. It is magic. Okay. And this is coming from a woman in Chicago that today it's negative 20 degrees. So we're talking, she knows her cream. <laughs> you are 100% correct. She knows it. So yeah. let me tell you. And yes, I, I have used the brand and I love the brand as well. I haven't tried the cream, so I will, I will become a fan as well. Uh, okay. So first place you want to go visit when we're allowed to travel. La Jolla. I want to go back home. I want to go home. We, we talked about this, that I've been, I've grown up down in La Jolla every summer going there. You grew up there and, you know, I get it. That is an awesome place. Okay. Now, what about this? What besides your podcast, besides my podcast, what is another podcast that you love listening to? Okay. So this is, this is a dirty secret, but I'm going to put it out there. I am a total crime junkies junkie. I love, have you, I don't know if you've ever listened to it. It, it. I I've heard every episode and I paid up for their private membership. So I get the extra episodes. I love crime junkies. Okay. Do you hear that crime junkies? All right. So this is, this is a funny one because I've had another, probably a couple other people have said that as well. Like there's something about it. Podcasts yeah, in the world. Yeah, right? no. And just the yeah. whole thought of like these, you know, trying to figure it out as they go. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So when you hear the expression powerhouse of possibility, what does that mean to you? What the first thing that pops into my mind is that that change is the powerhouse of opportunity. And that goes back to what you and I, I haven't ever thought of it this way until you just made me think of it this way. But this is the first thing. Every I've been going through a massive amount of change. I've moved eight times in five years. We've moved and lived in all these different states. I'm in the middle of 20 below weather in Chicago right now. It's all been hard, but every single one of those 
difficulties or hard changes has brought opportunity into my life that has made you know my life i say five years we've moved i've had more good things happen to me in five years than i could count so i've learned to value difficulty as an opportunity for growth and change and positive in a positive way oh the silver linings <laughs> love it yeah no doubt all right well unfortunately it is time we got to wrap it susan thank you for being a part of the show today what a pleasure oh hillary thank you for having me it was so much fun so much fun we'll talk to you again soon thank you so much for tuning in today if you felt a connection to this episode of the silver lined relaunch please head over to itunes now it would mean so much to me if you would leave a good review and help others find silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to all of the bonuses and notes from the show today in our treasure chest, which you have access to for free by texting 55444 and typing in treasure chest or you could go to our private Facebook group, The Relaunch Effect, Living a Life You Love. Together we've hit the reset button for you, turning your transitions into a transformation. Until next time, don't forget, there's always a silver lining.